honest, guys, the sour, sour, sour song has been doing me in recently. Really? <laughs> nah, nah, baby. Oh, my word. Yo, what a, what a song. Oh. But uh, to kick it off, okay, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Formula One is an African Sport podcast. You're here with Grant James, and I am never alone. I'm with Martin Nombura, as well as John Afadorfe. Gentlemen, yes, sir. how are we doing? We're good, we're good. Uh, so getting straight on? into it, we, we've taken a different approach with this one, right? So normally we sat around the table, um, yeah, poking fun at Ferrari and, and talking about how good Max is. Uh, but today we are uh, recording this remotely. I'm currently in Indonesia. I'm in a little island off the coast of Bali called Nusa, Labung, Labungan. Uh, La Bognan, yeah, um, it is a fantastic little place, um, lots of surfing, um, lots of ocean life. Uh, it's the first time I've seen people actually farming seaweed uh, for um, for agricultural use, but uh, that, that's where I am. I'm very, very happy to be here. It's uh, six hours ahead of South Africa, so almost midnight here, um, yep. and uh, the afternoon is just coming to a close there. She's putting in a shift, right? Yeah, the night yeah. shift. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Grant, she should get overtime. She get overtime for this podcast. Yeah, man. definitely. Yeah, Once I, you start I getting that money. Get like the, yeah. I, I was hoping to get like the Martin Umbura Consistency Award or yes. uh, the, the Reliability Award because yes, uh, even when I'm away, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm here. Um, it, it's funny because we are definitely going to chat about Red Bull today as a constructor, as a team, like how they performed over the weekend and uh, their star driver. But out here in the East, they've got this energy drink and it's actually like the foundations of Red Bull. It's called Crutching Jang. So um, I bought a little bottle of it the other day. It's like a, a little bottle, like two, 250 milliliters and it's a tonic um uh, like tastes like very similar but red bull's obviously carbonated um, and right. looked into the origins of the story and it's actually how the company came about um but uh, not going to do too many brand plugs here uh we can <laughs> <laughs> we can get into to chatting uh, about f1 um how are you guys doing though how was the how was the weekend um uh, I, I know we have a few things to discuss today yeah john go for it yeah, no, it was it was good. Um, I, I know. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was that amazing a race. Um, I think there was some. There was definitely some good moments, but um, overall, I think it was it was okay. Um, I, I enjoyed bits of it, but I can't say I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Um, but but still, still some very interesting moments. Still some really cool things to unpack. So you know, still keen to have a very good chat about a lot of interesting things and, and some some events, especially towards the end, which yeah. were a little bit unsatisfactory. It's it's one of those tracks that actually has the fewest number of overtakes per year, just because of I think historically we've always seen those DRS trains. I know Nick DeVries was leading a, an entire train this week, but yeah, we'll get into all this the the <laughs> driving and stuff. I think one big theme that you know John you're describing um, that occurred at the end of the race was the very weird interpretation of these regulations that keeps finding a way to come back and resurface. How do we use the safety car? Yeah. When do we uh, deploy red flags? Yeah. Uh, should races end? you know, with a safety car, all that kind of stuff. And we saw this happen today in Monza, and it kind of brought up a lot of feelings from last year. We're talking, you know, December last year, the infamous Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. race. And so, yeah, let's talk about the mm -hmm. officiating in Formula One. Um, this, this season, they've taken a different approach. They've had different marshals and stewards at different races kind of, you know, have more of a say. And we've seen that inconsistencies, and even drivers have kind of laid into it a little bit. But yeah, what's your take on the officiating this season so far? And particularly Monza. What's what's your take on all that? Yeah, Grant, I, I hope you'll be able to, to discuss this topic because I, I know the, <laughs> the, the emotional emotional package. That, I hope you can rise above it. I've I'm seen you talk, talk, talk about pain. it very graciously. Gonna look <laughs> You're going to look through the pain. That, that, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, this, 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 the safety car thing, it's really an interesting... The, 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 way, the way the race finishes and, and the way the safety car happens... Um, it, it, I find it so interesting because, it, it, I mean, it's been a part of F1, for, for, you know, that's just the way the sport works. It's, it's the way the rules, you know, this is a, it's a highly governed sport, so it's very clear, or for the most part, very clear rules, sometimes not so clear. Um, and, and you find that, you know, you get, a, you get a situation like this where, you know, the rules were, were not applied properly. Um, and I think that, not, not today, but in Abu Dhabi. Um, and I think that's what makes it more difficult for people. You know, it, it's when there's inconsistency in decision-making, it, it makes it even harder to swallow what is already sort of a, 
not so fan favorable um, rule. And I think I think that's the real like battle is you know you know you've got fan service uh, and you know you've got people that want to be entertained, but you've got guys who are trying to balance the safety of the event while also trying to make it as competitive as possible. So you're trying to balance racing and safety, and it, it's such a tricky thing to to manage. And and I, and I and I mean one a part of me is saying you know what we need to find a way to just maximize the racing, but I, but I do understand the difficulty as an organizer as as a, as the body that drives the sport to actually find that balance. And I think that's. That's what makes this whole thing quite quite a tricky, uh, tricky, tricky topic to, to 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 get into. And I think what I found interesting was that the teams actually had a chance apparently before this season to 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 find alternative ways of ending a, a race, and and they couldn't agree on anything. You know, they they couldn't see what was a fair way of, of ending a race because, you know, I, I saw a very good example was like, you know, let's say, you know, one of the other options is just put a red flag. You know, any sort of incident that happens, let's say with five, ten laps to go, we, we red flag the race and that's the end of the race. But then, you know, then the question of fairness comes into play. It's like in foot, in a football match, if all of a sudden in the 85th minute the team's leading 3-0 and then someone goes, you know what, next goal wins. Yeah. You know, like when you used to play as a kid of the park and someone says, next goal wins. You know, is that fair? Not really. So, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to, yeah, Grant, maybe maybe I'll give you a chance and then we can, we can debate. I, I want to come back to that point. So is tricky. that fair? Not really. Uh, and that's what it unearthed uh, for a, a lot for me this weekend. And I think a lot of the commentary coming from the weekend was around that, right? If you look at like, what mm. Toto was saying, uh, what Lewis mentioned around the application of the of this rule. Um, and there's two points. So, Martin, you spoke about the consistency of the officiating. And previously on this podcast, we've spoken about how um, inconsistency in officiating, um, uh, how that impacted the NFL and how that should yeah. not impact uh, Formula One. Um, and then we speak about like the need for entertainment versus the need to follow protocol and what is the set rules, right? Um, and not looking at any unique interpretations of these rules to try and make it work for entertainment. Uh, and I think that the approach, so it, it's definitely clear, it's evidence that um, the race director in 2021 no longer had capacity. He did not have the capacity to do a good job anymore. Um, he became uh, <laughs> incapable of doing it purely because of his capacity, right? Uh, it, it, like the guy was tired. Um, and when you start speaking about a race director who's really like someone in the background that's laying the rails to ensure that the race happens correctly, when you start speaking about his impact in a Grand Prix, you know that we are traversing some very, very scary, difficult grounds. Yeah. Like that should mm -hmm. be something that people can lean on. Um, as a, a point of confidence as opposed to a point of concern, right? So mm. I think that the, the one thing about like this Italian Grand Prix was they followed the rules, right? They followed the rules and like it wasn't good, but it was the rules and it was the way that things were, right? But we've also, we've conjured up this need for entertainment now. And following the rules isn't very entertaining. So there's like this fine battle. That, like there's this, there's this balance that you have to strike. And I think last year's race in Abu Dhabi was one of the most viewed sporting events like in the world. I, I think it had yeah. one of like the, the the largest viewing. Sorry, that's a, a scooter riding past me. Uh, Don't I'm worry like about right it. Let's continue, man. It's good. But th they had a lot of. They had a lot of viewers and they needed to do something for the fanfare, right? Um, so, like, let's put this unique uh, interpretation in place. Um, what I think is teams should agree that if there's an incident, like five laps or, or ten laps before the end of a, a GP, they should red flag the race with five laps to go and let the race start again. Like, give everyone a break, put fresh sets of tires on, let's have a, let, let's have a race to the finish line. Because if we're speaking about grandstand finishers, putting the fans first, balancing rules and entertainment, like that is probably the closest medium. But there, there's something in me still that I, I look at this, I think back to Abu Dhabi, I think about the 12 second advantage Lewis Hamilton had uh, pre-safety car. I think about the fact that his, um, his uh, strategy team said the race would not start again. Like they've done all the maths, the race would not start again. It then started again, and he was the one that was disadvantaged. Um, yeah, it's funny. We'll get into the Red Bull race and like how this all happened 
Um, but Martin, I want to throw it back to you to, to get some of your thoughts on it. You opened up the topic, um, right. but um, I- I- any thoughts around this? I think you guys raised an, an interesting point. Like Formula One and any sport is really tasked with figuring out the balance between entertainment and following the regulations to a T. And I keep giving the example between sports like chess, right, if you consider that a sport. For them, it's not about entertainment. It's about, hey, these are the rules of chess. You know, we're not going to have a Michael Massey come in last game and, you know, whatever it is, mess around with the, with the pieces. And then you have sports that are more lenient, you know, that they allow anything can happen just for that fanfare, like the WWE. There's no real rules, bro. People come through and do whatever they want, right? You find Vince McMahon, the CEO, comes through and changes the rules last second. And, and people understand that. Uh, it's not a sport, man. I love, hey, I don't, now you're messing my childhood, bro. It, it's entertainment. Hey, no, that you guys are messing my childhood <laughs> it was right the now. World, it was the World Wrestling Federation. They changed yeah, that WWF. FTE for a reason. <laughs> it was still lit. It was still lit, dude. Um, <laughs> but you have those kind of sports. And I think the most important thing is that fans of both of those sports know what to expect. You go to a WWE game, you know, like, Ace, anything can happen. You know, the official might, the ref might be taken out, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But is that clear uh, communication between the organization that's running the event as well as the fans? I think maybe Formula One has not done the greatest job in articulating what it expects or what the fans should be expecting from the actual sport itself. And because of this new influx of fans and attention, I think they're really pushing that slider towards what's the maximum entertainment value. And like you said, Grant, they followed the rules this weekend to the T. Um, Toto Wolf said it himself. This is how the race should have ended, you know. And obviously, he's pointing back to Abu Dhabi. This, that's how the race should have ended, given the number of laps left, and um, you know, just given the situation that was present. And so, I think we'll continue to see a lot of these things happen until they start to codify exactly what should happen. But actually, um, and the notion of people having to agree, okay, what do we do when this kind of situation is happen? There needs to be a technical regulation that states this out. And a lot of people believe that that was the case. But, you know, you have a lot of people on both sides saying, oh, you can interpret the regulations this way and that way. So long as this gray, there's this gray area, this will always exist. And so, yeah, we as fans suffer. Um, and I think that's just the nature of the sport, um, other than the fact that, you know, people can come in and like, like the regulators change this kind of stuff. My issue with F1 is you can't have different uh, regulations or different interpretations every single race. That ruins things. And that one of the biggest issues last season, and, you know, I was, I was supporting Hamilton. I wanted him to win the eighth. I really wanted to see him break that record, was that... Max fans were like, hey, listen, we're okay with this victory at the end of the season because, look, look, I can name you so many races where the officiating is pretty poor. Hamilton fans could say the exact same thing about how Max was driving where it is. And so at the end of the day, both sides have good arguments to make. And that's a horrible thing. You know, you want to have clear guidelines you can follow. And so officiating last season was horrible. And we're still see- we're starting to see the exact same thing this season. But it's a hard problem. I understand it's not easy. And I, I expect for us to see a lot more of this uh, moving forward. So that's just the nature of it, I think. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree that, you know, the, the, the point you make about these gray areas, but I think the point that was sort of underlying your point is that the, these gray areas exist for a reason as well. It, it's, it adds to that entertainment value. I mean, here we are talking about this. You know, right. if, if it wasn't something that would create discussion, create debate, would create opposing opinions, it, it's, I don't know, I feel like a part of organizing some of these sports and these things is to leave these kind of areas so that, there is this kind of discussion, there's this kind of content so that people can actually go out and talk about it and debate it. Because I think, yeah, Grant, you raise a good point about, you know, agreeing on red flags, but why can't the teams agree on that? You know, I don't know, I mean, obviously we don't have the answer, but for some reason, they're not comfortable with that outcome. Um, and they're not really, no one's actually saying why they're not comfortable with that specific or that type of outcome and, and changing the rules to say, well, let's just make it a red flag. And I don't know if it's because a red flag is only for very, very specific things, but it just doesn't seem like no, you know, no one wants to talk about why they don't want to. The controversy sells, right? Um, it's. Yeah. I think the point that you make is is so fair because it's controversial. Uh, people are upset. It's moving. It's emoting people, right? Good and bad. And what happens is that that emote that that emotion increases viewership. I can't tell you how many people I told about uh, this group. People who had never had never watched uh, Formula One before. They didn't know who Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen were. I was telling them about the bad thing this guy Michael Massey did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, evangelizing uh, the, uh, the the sport. But um, I, I think like maybe a parting thought on this is think about the outcome if we had like a red flag last year with a three-lap dash to the finish line. 
Like, that would have been a grandstand finish. Like, we had one with this last lap. I was very upset as a Hamilton fan, but I do recognize as a neutral um, because people who didn't have who, who didn't support any team, they they thought that it was a fantastic finish, and F one is a very exciting sport. Um, but um, yeah, it was a that, that's uh, that, that, it was it was, it was horrible. It was, it was a horrible finish. I think it tainted the sport, dude. One hundred percent. That's like the worst way you want to finish. I think if Max fans want to see Max win, they should have overtaken strategy or whatever it is for it to end on officiating. No one wants to see a sport end on officiating. They want to see it end on, you know, whatever the sport entails. John, you mentioned something about gray areas. Mm. I think gray areas should exist, but over time they should be made black and white, right? Otherwise you'll continue yeah. this circular loop of, okay, is this the right? And then people will start to optimize for those gray areas, right? And so you have teams playing into those gray areas. Like, Hey, yeah, it's a gray area. We don't know, you know, anything could happen and using that to their advantage. Uh, you know, having drivers stop at the side of the road because they know, hey, the race is going to end in a, uh, in a safety car and my teammates up front, that kind of stuff. And so yeah. we need to kind of, if it's not promoting the entertainment and racing together, then I think we need to have yeah. those rules and uh, FIA need to sort, uh, figure that out. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I'm going to move on to the next point, guys, because uh, we've got a few things to discuss. Um, and yep. um, one of them is a race review of Monza, right? Uh, we, we've just had the, the Grand Prix this past Sunday. Um, it was a full race weekend in Monza. Uh, th there's something about this track, um, the the fanfare around this Italian Grand Prix. Um, we mm. saw uh, we saw red red clouds of smoke uh, this weekend, which was a refreshing change from orange. Um, and, uh, and and generally, like um, all in all, like a, a good weekend. Um, there were lots of grid penalties, which really mixed things up. And I think, like considering this triple header that's just passed with um, with with the grid penalties we saw in Spa, Zandvoort, and uh, uh, and now in in Monza, it's quite interesting to see the impact that that has on the rest of the field, excluding Max. Um, so, uh, like, initially, <laughs> I love that caveat. <laughs> initially, um, like, what were your guys' thoughts on like Monza as a track? The Italian fans. I'll get into a couple of the grid penalties as well. Yeah, John, go for it. Yeah, Monza. Monza is interesting, man. It's it's it's. You would think, you know, it it it's you know such a it's such a I want to say straight track for lack of a better word, but it's such a you know it doesn't really have a lot of interesting corners it's not like crazy it's you know it's pretty straightforward it's pretty fast but um and and not i think what you mentioned not as wide as well so you know it, it's 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 limiting in in the in the overtake um, opportunities but it still it still throws out a decent enough race um and it, it's still it's still exciting i think what's interesting or what makes it even more exciting is i think it's got that almost like okay i don't want to say monaco in terms of excitement but in terms of history then and 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 what it brings to you know italians um and ferrari is synonymous with with, with formula 1 and motorsport in general actually you know italy's got a it's very very um, rich in motorsport so i think having a grand prix in italy i think just really gets people excited really gets that extra energy around the place people are buzzing that you can see you know you look at the fans in the crowd you got you know young kids absolutely just excited you know just really pumped and you can see they they love the f1 you know they love being there with their family so i think that that's really cool to see and you get to hear that amazing anthem that yeah. we all love so much yeah it's, it's always better it's a vibe. That it's a big vibe. when one of their oh. drivers actually wins you know um yeah, yeah. but it's, the track is good uh it's, it's like i said very high speed uh circuit uh lowest fewest number of overtakes just because of the design a very flowy track um drs trains are prone we did see a few overtakes this race which was kind of good to see um I think also that statistically that Monza, it's, it's one of those tracks, it's the track that has held the most number of F1 races in history, um, given the whole, you know, Silverstone being the, one of the older tracks, Monaco as well. It's one of those glamour, her heritage tracks like you mentioned, John. So it's always great to go there, see the Tifosi, and teams really set up their cars. I mean, it's one of those tracks that's so different. Teams set up their, they know come down the air, we need those uh, low downforce wings, those low downforce setups for this particular track. And so it's earmarked early in the year for that kind of setup. So, yeah. Grant, you have something, you describe Monza as like the old circuit. I remember seeing one of, something you shared with us about the 1960 circuit and just describe how it might it, have been looked different. Yeah, the permutations that the circuit's gone through. So much to your point, Martin, around it being one of the oldest um, F1 circuits. It's actually hosted the most F1 races, yeah. and uh, it went through a reform. So we know that Monza is shaped very much like a boot, um, and like what they've added in is a few chicanes. Um, they've uh, the, the Lesmo bend has been quite consistent, like through the ages with Monza. 
Um, they added in the Ascari chicane, which I think is like a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal chicane uh, to to add in to, to the specific circus. But previously, Monza was shaped like a boot, um, and as opposed to coming around the the final bend, um, the name eludes me right now. Uh, what is it called again, Martin? It's the Parabolica. There it is. Yeah. Um, the, the Parabolica, uh, as opposed to finishing the Parabolica and then coming down the main straight, you would loop straight into like a 400 meter track yeah. and uh, the sides were banked the, the sides were banked so you would loop into the first uh, bank you would come around the track um, it was literally shaped like the last bit of monza was shaped like a 400 meter track and then you would ride up the the, the banked side um like riding up to your left uh, coming down onto the main straights and um and that's your lap over it would be about two minutes a lap as opposed to the one minute um i think 19 uh, or was it one minute eleven that they were doing in qualifying? Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely gone through some changes. Um, but the Tifosi are epic. Um, yeah. It's it's really really nice to see a nation that is so passionate about F1 and so passionate mm. about their drivers as well. The Ferrari drivers look like absolute rock stars in Monza, and you can almost feel everyone's love for them. Yeah, nice. Shall we shall we get into the into the next topics then, guys? Um, which is our dear friends at Red Bull. Um, again, another, another, another pretty super smooth week. Okay, for, for Max particularly. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys may have some comments around our good friend um, Checo. Um, but I think you know we, we we find that one of the interesting things I find is you know um, Max doesn't even get battled anymore. You know, when he's overtaking, no one even considers getting the elbows out. It's it's literally like let Max through. You know, they lay out the red carpet That's for a good him. Point. It's really smooth. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you know. Yes, he had a great penalty, but I mean, it's, it almost seems like he's enjoying these great penalties. He's like, yeah, it's fine. Let's see how far <laughs> back I can start and win this. It's thing. A challenge for him. So you know, I, I, yeah, it's a challenge for him. You know, I, I'd love to hear you know what you guys think about 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 Red Bull this weekend. Any, any thoughts? And also just um, it'd be great to, to talk about where we think. You know, this thing's gonna be wrapped up. So, I mean, I think we can all agree that the title is pretty much Max has got one one yeah. firm grip on it. So, you know, how how long do we think we're gonna go until this thing's this thing's done? There's one point I want to hop in with, um, and and then continue this discussion around Max because I, I realize I didn't actually mention who got the grid penalties this past weekend, and like right. the bottom seven drivers. So everyone who who started from 13th onward got grid penalties. But if I just run through it in a quick list. Uh, Max got five grid penalties, um, so that meant five, he started from seventh. Esteban Ocon, five, five place grid penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Esteban Ocon, uh, five place grid penalty. Sergio Perez, ten place grid penalty. Valtteri Bottas, fifteen place grid penalty. Mick Schumacher, fifteen place grid penalty. Kevin Magnussen, fifteen place grid penalty. Carlos Sainz, Ferrari, back of the grid. Lewis Hamilton, back of the grid. Yuki Tsunoda, back of the grid. And then, however they qualified, they they would either take that grid penalty. Um, but the guys who got the back of the grid penalty, they would then start in the order that they qualified. So Collar qualified third. He started 18th. Lewis then was 19th because um, he qualified above Sonoda and then Sonoda 20th. But uh, let's hop straight into the Red Bull discussion. Um, as uh, as you had mentioned, John, um, and a few of those talking points around like how Max has, Max has really had it uh, had it. Like fairly easy, right, Martin? I know that you had some points that you wanted to jump in with there. I'll I'll jump in straight after you. Yeah, um, there's not not much to say about Red Bull nowadays. I feel like uh, they they yeah, I think they're they're not the most interesting team to follow because they're so consistent. You know, I might have to start giving Red Bull my <laughs> reliable a new consistency award. I'm going to create. You know, there's a reliability award, and now there's going to be a Martin Bora consistency award as well. Um, yeah, Max did what his his thing. What's so interesting about Max, and I think the strategy Red Bull have realized, and they're definitely putting to full effect is that they're realizing, hey, especially on these very fast tracks, if you can make up a lot of ground as early as possible, you know, you really set yourself up not to start entering these DRS trains or getting to tussles that you don't need to be in. Uh, John, you brought up an interesting point. People don't fight Max anymore. We're talking about the entertainment value of the sport. I found it very boring, by the way, the fact that teams just let Max through. It's like, hey, oh, Max is in the rear of your beer. I'll just let, let him through, let him through. Before, guys will not let that happen. If you have track position, you defend that even though you know your car is slower. And so, you know, the drivers are not putting up any fight. They see a Red Bull, they see a Ferrari, like, yeah, it's whatever it is. The only guys will be fighting them on Mercedes. But anyway, talking about um, Max and, and their capacity, 
what one thing I do enjoy about watching Red Bull is their their consistency and just how they're able to do this week in week out without any mistakes. Um, their pit stops are still stellar, and they're they're not struggling the way you, you typically find teams start to drop the ball when they've had a lot of success. They're like you said, John, holding on to that trophy and saying we're going to defeat any record out there. Max has won eleven races. He's tied with Hamilton for most races ever um, in a particular uh, season, and he's two two races away, two race wins away from tying Vettel. And Schumacher, sorry, Schumacher at 13. And so what he's doing is he's rewriting history. He's so young. He's doing this so soon. And uh, shout out to him. In regards to Checo, not the best race from him. He did have a bit of that brake issue. His brake left, I think, right brake was on fire. We saw that during the pit stop. So that kind of compromised his race. I do believe he finished right. It was like around fifth or sixth, um, if I'm not mistaken. So not the worst result, but obviously that's second driver material, unfortunately. But I would say it was a bad race for him. So Red Bull had standard procedure from them. Grant, what do you got? Yeah, it's it's great points. It's great points. Um, I thought it was concerning when George Russell did not. Th- th- there's one thing that you said, Martin, and uh, I love it. It's like there's a few guarantees in life. Okay, death, taxes, and Max will pass on the inside line. <laughs> He'll try and pass on the inside, right? Guaranteed. Um, and Guaranteed. Uh, and and um, going into that first chicane after the straight, George didn't even come across. Like he didn't even. Max was around him. He got the DRS. We see. We know how quick this Red Bull is, um, and that um, that straight line speed, the top end speed, um, and we know that they have the pace advantage naturally without DRS over Mercedes. But um, seeing it there and seeing George, a guy who's like fought to hold position in the past, and gets upset when his team tells him not to. Um, he sort of just like hung on the left. And I was like, okay, Max really is in a league of his own now. Like we've said it before, but we are saying it again. Like, and um, th- there's still a part of me that it pains me to say it, but the guy's a beast uh, at the moment. And he's driving at a level that like no one else can contend with right now. Um, the car is good. He's really sharp. He's focused. And um, yeah, he, he's got a firm grip on on this championship. I think it's it's now not a matter of if, um, it's just when. And um, like from a predictions perspective, I don't think that he'll do it in Singapore. I think Same. that he'll do it like the race just after. So um, what what do we have? What do we have left on the calendar? Japan. So so we've got right Japan. Um, Japan. Um, maybe what he'll actually do is I don't think he'll do it in Japan either. I think he'll do it in the states. Um, and uh, that that'll hurt, especially for all the uh, the Hamilton fans that, uh, that that attend that Grand Prix. But yeah. um, I, I think that Max will will win the championship in the United States. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's got a firm grip on it right now. Um, on the Checo side, he did have a grid penalty. He started the race from the back. Um, he he's really good off the start because I think after the first lap. Um, he was, and I, I could be wrong, but like in 12th, 10th position, and he was driving the car into quite a competitive place. He then had to have an early pit stop, um, and that uh, caused some issues. He went to the back of the grid, but still managed to to um, to get somewhat of a, a respectable result, um, finishing in the top six. Um, and generally, like if you're comparing him to his teammate, like right now, Max is Max is the story. At, um, at Red Bull. Yeah. So, yeah, th- those are th- those are my thoughts on it. He's in a very, very tough position. But, um, yeah, th- th- there's not much more we can say about Red Bull. They've, they've got those drivers and constructors. Um, yeah, w- well done. Good season. Yeah for, yeah, for those of you who are watching for the, uh, Formula 1 for the first time, just know we're not, we've not witnessed what uh, a driver do what Max is doing, uh, I think, in history. To have six races left and be able to, you know, uh, tie what Schumacher did in the next two races. I've never seen this in my life. And so you're witnessing history, even though the season's been a bit, bit boring because of how good he is. I love the fact he got booed because it's a sign of, hey, you've made it. You're now with the top dogs, the guys that got booed, Vettels, the Schumachers, the, the Hamiltons. You know, yeah. that's that's a good sign of your, you've definitely made it. But yeah, let's move on to Ferrari. I think uh, they were the mainstay. Well, the the one main... point though, Martin, yeah. s- sorry, the one point I do want to make on that though, um, just to, like, no, no disrespect to, to Max, nor his accomplishments. But the race seasons now are longer, right? Previously, yeah. when a Formula One season was 16 races um, or 18 races, it's now 24 races. So the opportunities that you have to break these records are a lot more conceivable as well as achievable 
just due to the the sheer amount of, of races that you have. So, like again, I think he's great. I think that he deserves the accolades this season because uh, I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast. But there was moments where he could have um, dropped his head. He didn't. Um, but we should recognize the fact that they do have more opportunities in the season now. Yeah, it's like it's, it's. It sounds like you want to start about the percentage of of the season that they win, rather than the number of races. <laughs> Give there. me That's the what data. You say. You say, come back, come at me with better data. <laughs> <Don't> just... <laughs> nah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you look at like 2014, I think they had about 20 races and stuff like that. It's not been that different. Remember, he's doing this now, right? And so with six races left, that's I think the point I'm trying to stress: the fact that he's won the last five yeah. races, the fact that you know, besides Great Britain, he'd, he'd podium the last seven races, and then he had DNFs early in the season. I mean, that I'm not seeing that ever. And, uh, you know, last year we had about the same number of races in, or two years ago as well. And, you know, Hamilton had only about 11 races at max. So, yeah, I think it's, it's that's, that's, I think that's the point I'm trying he's to He's won two-thirds. Yeah, he's won two-thirds of all of the Grand Prix that he's competed in, in like his last 40 races or, yeah. or something like that. It's like, it, it's a silly statistic. I think it's, it's a crazy statistic because we've never seen that. So, uh, well, we're not seeing. Yeah, silly, silly as in like it's oh, really yeah, yeah. insane. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. What are you saying, John? Does, doesn't he almost have the same number of wins as, as Alonso? Oh, in, in total? Yeah, yeah. He's approaching. I think this is his 30th yeah, win so. uh, in his career. Almost, yeah. yeah. I think he's right on the doorstep. Yeah, close yeah. to 30th or 29th, something like that. Uh, but yeah, let's, move, let's talk about Ferrari now because uh, they're okay. the main characters yeah. this, go, yeah. this, in Monza, right? They're the main guys we keep talking about. They did decide to come with a different livery. I saw the the Instagram, the memes were a bit funny. You know, um, you know, if you, you want to follow some good stuff, always check what Twitter has to say about <laughs> these new liveries. But I thought it was dope. I love the rear wing and the old school Ferrari lettering in in the yellow. I think Ferrari make the best. I, it reminds me of 2020 Mugello, where they brought the darker red Ferrari. That was like sick. And I kind of think they kind of kept that. Um, but yeah, what was y'all's take on Ferrari's weekend? I mean, a bit quiet. Just obviously qualifying, they did a good job. A bit quiet, despite the yeah. fact that we this was supposed to be their race, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's quite apt that you say it with Twitter. My, my partner said they they look like canaries out there, like a- um, <laughs> just in their in their yellow I like it. I like it. It was it was cool. I it was different. It, it was nice to see it. It was nice to see. It's a um, nice I, I really. Yeah, it was a nice change. It was a nice change. Um, I, I really have, you know, normally I'm, I'm quick to be to be critical of Ferrari. Um, and this time around, I really don't have any gripe with them. I, my only gripe is that they've put themselves in a position where they have to try things. Uh, and they had to push a little bit more than, you know, just relying on a solid strategy, but then having to sort of really outthink your opponent and, and really get a bit creative. And I think that that's the, that's the problem with the current situation they're in now is that they have to be quite creative. And for a team that's already not that great just on normal strategy to then also try and be creative, I think it asks a lot of them um, and, and, and it puts a lot of pressure on them. But I think, you know, I was really happy with, with I mean, I think Leclerc, Leclerc is, is such a good such a good qualifier. I think he, he he's shown throughout the season that he, he's very good at putting one solid lap together yeah. um, on, on a Saturday. Um, I think what was good as well, you know, he started very well in the race. He defended very well. You know, George was aggressive, but he, he you know, George had a better start, to be honest. Yeah, and, and he still managed to, to, to protect that inside line. Um, I really like Sainz's patience. I, I think, you know, you know, Max, I think, had done a lot of his quick work, as he does always, first lap, first, first, few, first few corners, and he's done. I think Sainz took a more measured approach, and, and there was almost a point where it was very calm, and then all of a sudden you, started, you just started to see him work through the field, get through guys. So I, I, I like how he managed, he managed that. I think it was, it was very good. He looked very racy. Um, my, my, the thing I'm still uncomfortable with, and I don't know what you guys think about this, is, is the whole, is how Ferrari approaches their discussion with their drivers. Uh, and, and I'll say this yeah. discussion because I don't, I don't see it much with other teams, but, and I mean, we don't get all the radio, so we don't hear everything, but, but it just seems like a lot of the time they want to share the discussion and the, and the strategy. So it's like everyone's saying, okay, this is what we're thinking. And then it's like, okay, Charles, what do you think? And then Charles must give his input. And then everyone sort of sits around the fire. And, and it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't sit around. I mean, you've got a guy who's focusing on racing, you know, and, and yes, he can give you input. He can tell you that how, how he feels. He can disagree on certain things, but to, to, to be in the heat of the moment and then being asked, you know, oh, by the way, what do you think about race strategy? I think it's just a bit unfair on the driver. I think, I think let the guys drive. If he tells you, if he pulls a, 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 a Russell and says, look guys, bring me in on that and put me on the soft, something like that, that's different. But to, to, to this reliance and discussion, and, and ben, Benotto is quite, he says it's quite deliberate. You know, they want, for me, it seems like no one wants to take responsibility and they want to share the decision so that if there's an issue, they can say, ah, but we all took the decision together, guys. You know, 
we all we all messed up together and i don't I, i'm not sure i'm comfortable with that i think you need strong strong strategy strong engineering and then and then let the drivers drive and it's it just i'm not getting that comfort level from from them 100 that, that's my 100 you can't share the accountability on stuff like this um and I heard that being said about uh, Bonotto coming out and saying, like, it's very deliberate. They use the driver's opinion as an additional data source. But the thing is that if their driver says that he wants one thing and the team decides against it, like, what does that do to the driver's mindset? Um, like, what I appreciate about the other teams that are always on top, so like we saw it with Mercedes, we see it with Red Bull, is the team is incredibly decisive and deliberate in their actions and their direction, right? They'll say, Max, like, come in, like, this is what we're doing. I think Max got on the radio and he said, do we get a free pit stop um, just before the safety car this past weekend? And the team was just like, yes, like, we're in. But they had already planned that, they were thinking about it, and he said it, they confirmed it, and and, and it happened. Like, the, the whole questioning that Ferrari does and then, like, letting the driver decide, I, I think that a little bit of stems from, like, it was a product of their own uh, incompetence um, and um, essentially not 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 getting like a few strategic calls correct. So the driver said they want to be a little bit closer to it. So this is their attempt to do that. But I think coming back to this race weekend, I, I've got all these criticisms, but I think it was a lot cleaner of a performance from Ferrari. Like they were a lot slicker in outfit this weekend. They were quick in qualifying. They were on the pace um, or they had pace in the Grand Prix. Um, the only call for me that, because they were even sharp in pit stops. So we saw Carlos Sainz pit stop at 2.1 seconds. I saw some memes like where Carlos had a surprise face um, with, with this timing. But um, I think the only question for me from this weekend was, did they capitalize on the right opportunity, bringing Sheldon for that VSC, right? Because whilst he was in the pits, um, making a pit stop under VSC, the track went green. So some of the time advantage he would have gained, he, he also lost, like, coming into the pits. And then he also lost track, track position to Max, right? Um, so, like, was that the right strategic call for them? Like, I think on pace, they it, it looked like they didn't have the pace um, of the Red Bull, but also needing to make those two stops really didn't help their cause. I, I don't think what do you think, mattered. Martin? I don't think it mattered. Um I think, yeah, they lost track position, but they still never had to fight anybody for position. You know what I'm saying? Um, the pit stop was early, but they still got that advantage of having a quicker pit stop than the other teams did. I think they've just been on raw pace. And this was something that Karun Chandok did say at the end of the race. Like, even if Charles hadn't pitted, Max was there and he was gaining even before the pit stop had happened, even before the VSC. So I think the results would still be the same. I think where I disagree with you guys is going back to what John had said earlier. I know Grant, you weighed in. I have no problems the way Ferrari discussed their strategy on on the on on live TV. I think what from the one have done, I think is very disingenuous because they only air a lot of what Ferrari say. We never hear this kind of stuff coming from Alpha Tauri, from Williams. Um, Mercedes, we used to hear a little bit last season when Hamilton was leading and stuff like that. There's so much back and forth. If you if you actually follow the driver cams, you start to re uh, realize how much back and forth goes be between the actual engineers and the strategists and the actual drivers. And so I enjoy hearing that. I enjoy the options. I enjoy seeing the drivers having to make these decisions, given the information they have. And whether or not they're decisive or not, I think, you know, we've seen bad mistakes made by decisive decisions, and we've also seen good, uh, good outcomes made from indecisive things. And so I have no problems with it. This is the way they're doing this. And I think every team does this. The spotlight we get is just, unfortunately, Ferrari. And uh, I have no problems with it. I have no problems with it's it. It's a good point. Yeah. It, it's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, the one other thing, so so we're speaking very much about Leclerc's race and like that race for the win, is yeah, yeah Carlos Sainz, the man is growing on me, Mister Smooth. Yes, operator. finally, finally, um, bro. <laughs> coming co coming from from eighteenth to to fourth, and he was catching George Russell. Um, Remember, he did this he in Paul Ricard showed, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's um, he's a good driver. He's a good driver. And I think, like, the more he believes in, in himself, the more exciting it becomes, yeah. right? Um, he, he's further behind uh, Charles now. So he's certainly, with, like, six races left, Ferrari's number two driver. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it matters anymore. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, I can tell he's had more DNFs than Leclerc, unfortunately. But um, what John said yeah. about patience, that, like, remember early on, um, there was a lot of pressure on signs. I think he made that mistake in Australia. 
as like he was not being patient. In Australia, he was trying to yeah. jump the gun. Yeah. And now we're seeing him kind of learn from mistakes and just be a lot more uh, cool, uh, cool down and stuff like that. So that's the maturity I love to see in drivers. And um, we never know how the season could go. He could beat Leclerc at the end of the day. But it's important Ferrari fans know that even though Leclerc is that pretty boy, he is born in Monaco, not too far. He speaks great Italian. Your boy Science is still a dog. And so, yeah, you should be happy you got two dogs in that team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. I'm going to move on to Mercedes, right? Uh, because they were in the hunt uh, a little bit this weekend. Um, I think the, the, the best thing about the Mercedes Grand Prix was George um, starting from second on the grid with all those grid penalties. And then Lewis's drive from the back, right? It was very reminiscent of the, the drive in Barcelona. He went from 19 to fifth. Um, and he took some time in doing so. I think generally some of like the thoughts or themes around Mercedes was they were the third best constructor this weekend. We've spoken in previous podcasts and said yeah. in this race for second, are they in it? Their hats in the game. I think it was after the Zandvoort Grand Prix, we're like, okay, they've got like two hands on second, um, uh, or, or at least like a, a firm grip on a firming grip on second. Um, and this weekend they were clearly off like the Red Bull and Ferrari pace. Yeah. But um, like, can they can they come back? Can they win a race this season? Um, is it possible? What did you guys think of their of their race uh, weekend? I know Hamilton also had that like slight incident in the first lap, which yeah. uh, sort of heated mm-hmm. his his progress or his quick mm-hmm. progress through the field. Yes, you know that 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 I was a bit concerned with that with, with when that first incident happened because I mean we've seen this season where he he's had lots of situations where he struggled to get by people he should be getting by. So I kind of started to think, geez, are we gonna are we gonna see that play out again? You know, with, with that kind of start, and I think mentally as well, it can it can sort of put you on the back foot to then you know you, you know you've got a lot of work to do already, and then you've got extra work to do because of a of an incident right at the start. Um, but I think he really recovered well. Um, I was re- I was I was actually really happy with with with, with or not happy, but I, was, I think Mercedes did well in quality as well. Um, I think Hamilton Hamilton you know um, had, had quite a good good performance, obviously you know with all the penalties, but he did did a good job in quality. Um, Russell was right up there. And I, I think during the race, like I said, Hamilton, good recovery, um, you know, nice and patient, but I think he worked through the field very well. Um, Russell as well, I, I've mentioned it a few times, but I, I like the way he manages the race. I think the combination of, of solid strategy from from the Mercedes um, engineers and the paddock and all that, but or strategists, but also I think once he gets himself into a, in a decent position, he finds a way to maintain that. He might have faster cars around him, he might be under a lot of pressure, but he doesn't seem to be taking a lot of that strain and taking a lot of pressure he seems to manage that very well and I think that that that's such a you know it goes back to Martin's reliability award he, he's so reliable in, in a good position and I think that that's such a, a such a good and positive trait to have I think it's, it's a good sign for Mercedes the question of can they win <clears throat> my concern is just I think there's just too many variables that they need to rely mm. on uh, um, to win a race at this point I think that they've, they've got to have you know one of the other teams not really like have a proper off weekend and then they've still got to have one of the other drivers from you know, team. The, the next best team you know also kind of go there's just too much that that needs to happen for for them to to to, to actually win and one of the drivers just from like the, the the lower teams not crashing when they're in a position to win right or having you know having to park their car on the side so i, I just feel like it has to be completely completely perfect um, things that are out of their control, and I think that's that's where I have concerns about whether they will win. I think they're they're showing that they'll be consistent. They'll podium. They'll, I think they've podiumed more than anyone expected them to podium, mm. especially with the way they started the season. I'm just I'm losing faith in whether they'll actually win a win a race this year. I'm not sure. I'm, I, we could be proven wrong, or I could be proven wrong. But yeah, you you, that, that's you bring up I'm, a good point about the needing the stars to align. <laughs> I mean, you still have Max. Max is still <laughs> racing, man. It's not like he's taking a week off. For me, like I said earlier, Singapore will probably be their best chance given the setup of their car. Um, it prefers street tracks, prefers more high downforce. You could say maybe Brazil will be another maybe final chance. But um, I know other teams will probably want Lewis to not win a race. I'm sure what Max is <laughs> making sure. I want to make sure his record ends now. But um, quickly talk about Monza. I don't have much to say about Mercedes. Um, I want to talk about the initial start for Lewis Hamilton because I actually almost wrote him off. I was like, this guy's not, he's not going to finish top eight or something like that. The way it's really started slowly. But he's like, once again, with like Carlos Sainz, patience, patience, patience. Slowly started picking off guys and those DRS strains. Very impressed to see the Mercedes having that enough straight line speed to kind of make a, 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 a way there. People are fighting Lewis a bit more than they do fight Max and, um, and uh, other drivers, the Ferrari drivers. 
Um, George Russell as well, super consistent. Uh, I don't know how many podiums he has. He has probably has enough podiums this season. We need top five finish uh, awards as well because this this what we're seeing this season. I just haven't seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, Mercedes have been good. But this is not the track. I remember saying at the end of last our podcast, Mercedes fans just take 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 this week weekend off, come back in Singapore. That's really I think your best chance to have a win. Um, yeah, or one two. But that, I I think it's possible. But remember, Ferrari still there, Max is still racing. So they're not, and they don't want that to happen. They probably, I'm sure they're plotting, bro. <laughs> we won't, you know. But, Latifi's there, Bottas is there as well. <laughs> yeah, too many things need to align. But John, if they can beat them on pace, if you see that qualifying pace be strong and they avoid any incidents, I think I think Hamilton has what it takes. But then, and I'm going to, I think this is a theme we're going to talk about a lot more maybe next year, uh, Grant. George Russell will be a pain in Lewis's side to come this guy's good yeah he already, he already is <laughs> but this season they're probably written off he's like ah we can't win so we're just kind of gathering data blah, blah blah next season there'll be no excuses he's gonna be a pay a thorn and lewis's side mercedes fans team and, uh, team lh44 just beware right now he's your friend he's your boy uh, uh, next season hey gr63 I'm, I'm worried yeah. i'm worried how, how how is mercedes gonna manage yeah. it? how are they gonna decide because there's gonna be a point where they're gonna have to make yep. a decision and it's gonna be yeah, tricky. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I cannot. That's gonna be next season, obviously. But I cannot wait for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs> Grant, Grant, what do you think? I mean, you, you, Mr. Mercedes. You know, what is your head and your heart telling you about about how the weekend was? Uh, so I, I think that it was like Martin said, uh, get a hobby. So I decided to to do a trip to Indonesia <laughs> and uh, and surf a little bit more. Um, that's good. So uh, yeah. It, it was it wasn't a track that was um w- was made for how the Mercedes car handled, but like all things considered, they were really quick. Like outside of like the Ferrari and uh, and Red Bull team, like uh, it was encouraging to see like going down the straight, being able to like with DRS without DRS overtake cars. So it just speaks to that developmental advantage or, or progress that they've made through the season, right? Um. Similar at the beginning of the year when Hamilton was stuck behind uh, Pierre Gasly for what, like 65 laps? Um, it, yeah, we, we were in a completely different situation then, right? Um, about George Russell being a thorn in the side, um, I really appreciate the standard that he brings to the team and how Mercedes is leveling up. It's it's like, it's really, really good. Yeah. And if Lewis is pushed, um, like it's also time for him to show his muscle, right? He's a seven-time world champion. Yes, yeah. When he has a car, when he has a car that like can do the things, like they're focusing on development for next season as well, um, and and actually building that car out. Like he will need to step up and say, like, this is mine now. So I think it's it, if anything, it's exciting. Uh, it's very, very, very exciting, um, and it's good that he won't have someone that would, like essentially be a Bottas for him at this point in his career because it'll ensure his standards maintain uh, maintain uh, a high level. That's right, yeah. The unfair treatment of, of, of yeah. Bottas. There should be a book on that. Yeah. John, lead us. <laughs> anyway, guys. Yeah. Let, let, Continue, man. I was going to yeah. say, lead us into the next one. No, let, let, let us, yeah. Let, let's, let's move on, uh, guys. Let's, let's talk about the, the battle for fourth, which... At some point, I think we, we almost wrote off as a battle and we were trying to say it was, a, it was almost going to be a foregone conclusion. But then, you know, like a phoenix, <laughs> McLaren rises. Um, you know, yeah, really, really interesting, I think. Um, really good performance from McLaren. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you, know, what you guys think about this, this I'll say, is revived battle for fourth. Um, really sad for Alonso. You know, 10 races in a row, I think it was, that he was in the points. Um, and for that to end now was a bit unfortunate. I think it, it was a tough one for Alpine. The weekend was, was was looking down, you know, sort of from the early, from the get-go. Um, and, you know, also for McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo, really unlucky. I think he, he really, he, he came out strong this weekend. He, he, he came to prove a point. He found himself in a good position. He battled well. He was strong. He showed that hunger. Ultimately, just unlucky, really unlucky. And, you know, yeah, what, what do you guys think? I, I think you said it, man. I think uh, I was really rooting for Daniel, man. I know I've kind of gone in, in on him. But sometimes you just can't keep, you know, <laughs> he's already down. You can't keep beating him, man. And I was actually rooting for him. A top five finish would have been ideal. And so, you know, Lando has carried McLaren for so long. And uh, it was great to kind of see him be able to kind of bring back six points for the team. Obviously, that issue, Daniel Ricciardo, that's going to be a morale uh, hit, knowing that this was going to be perhaps his best finish to this season. Alpina currently, I think, is 18 points ahead of McLaren. And so they're inching away. To me, this battle was... Uh, 
I think Alpine did a lot worse than I thought they'd do in this race. Seeing how fast they were in Spa, a very similar track, and seeing how they were not able to transfer that reliability issues with Alonso and Ocon not able to make up space, places the way he's typically used to, to doing. So this is a loss for Alpine. I'm sure they're probably looking forward to the next race to try and make amends. But um, I think Alpine will win this one. I think Lando's been doing too much for this team, and it's hard for you to rely on one person to carry an entire team. Well, you have two other guys on another team who are very competent and are ready to take that fourth spot in the constructors. So yeah, Grant, what's your take? We should definitely check in on this battle for fourth after Singapore as well, because it's not as clear cut to me anymore, especially after Alpine not scoring any points this weekend and seeing some of those reliability issues as well. Um, I mean, one car not finishing, another finishing outside of the points. But um, yeah, gutted for Danny Rick, man, gutted. Uh, because the question we posed in the last podcast was, do we think this will be another McLaren 1-2? Um, and we said no. No. Uh, but did we expect them to be starting third and fourth on the grid? Uh, I was like, no. Um, and there were penalties. They, it wasn't all on their own merit. Yeah, it wasn't on their own merit. There were good penalties, but still, like, they were in the race. They were in with a fight. Um, and I think uh, the last Grand Prix, um, or, or last Monza race, um, Daniel Ricciardo was very ambitious off the start, and he took um, he took um, uh, first place. Um Lando's start was just far too slow um, in this Grand Prix. And um, when I saw Max go around him, like he was pretty much standing still because he yeah. was. Um, it was difficult to watch, man. Um, but yeah, hoping hoping that um, this battle continues. It's, it's one of the more um, exciting battles on the grid now, um, just given it's the most lively battle that's actually been contested. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, any, any additional thoughts on that, John? Or oh, I'll move on to the next point. I think you guys have pretty much covered it. Let's cool. Um, move on to the next point. Uh, so, so some of the notable stories from the weekend, right? Um, a hell of a lot happened in this Monza Grand Prix, but like we would be remiss not to shine a spotlight on this man, Nick de Vries. Nick de Vries, yeah. um, a wow. true Dutchman. Wow! Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Wow! 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 So. Yeah, that- a little bit of background on the Nick de Vries story. He's a reserve driver for Mercedes. He's a Formula E world champion. And he's also one, once previously jumped into an F1 car. And that was in a practice with Mercedes earlier this year. Paul Ricard. Um, I think he then again jumped in um, for a practice with Williams. But this race, he jumped in FP1 with Aston Martin. Um Alex Albon fell sick. He had appendicitis, right? And um, it's good to hear he, he was actually uh, under observation, but good to hear that he's like in recovery now and, and healing up for, for Singapore. Um, but Nick de Vries jumped in with very little notice, um, or he, at least he was told on Saturday, hey, we need you available for qualifying in the Williams. Like, please make yourself available. Um, and the guy delivered. Uh, I think he qualified 12th or 13th, but obviously with the grid penalties, he was uh, pushed up the grid to eighth. And even his um, qualifying, and then in the race, remember his qualifying, he made that tiny mistake, um, I think, on one of the chicanes. And yeah. this guy could have gone Q3, man. He had that yeah. Q3 pace, though. I, yeah. I think so. I think he was going to get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's like time in the cockpit, right? Yeah. Yeah, he just needed more of it, and like more of that confidence comes. But the race, he was, he was on it. He was hanging on the back of that DRS train. He was fighting. Um, Joe, uh, it was actually a really, really interesting battle watching these two go at it for like lap after lap. Um, and, and he held the position, ended up uh, finishing ninth. Um, I think the most notable story of the rest. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, like, the other questions were more like, where is Haas? Um, and then also tough times for Aston Martin. Um, just the battle result wasn't that great given his decorated history with Ferrari as well. Um, but what were your guys' thoughts um, on De Vries specifically? Uh, because I, I know there may be more said about him later in this podcast too. Yeah, De Vries was, he was a champion. I was, I, I was seeing him battle with uh, Guan Yu Zhou, who I know wanted to kind of steal that from him. Um, but he was able to kind of hold his own. That was amazing to see uh, from a guy who has, like I said, a very little simulator, I mean, uh, experience in the actual car. And to maintain that, I think all the questions that are now looking, every, all the eyes turn to Latifi <laughs> at the end of this race, bro. It's like, bro, the car can do it, you know? Maybe we always just think Albon was distracting a bit more. It's like, bro, this guy has not been in the car, and here he is. So, yeah, poor Latifi, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, respect, respect to 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 Nick Freeze. I, I won't say yeah. much more. We'll talk about him a bit later. But Max, respect to him, man. Really great yeah. stuff. 
Um, and your other points, Grant, I think the, the, really the question is, where is the house? I, I don't know, man. I think they need to ask themselves some hard questions because, man, I, I don't know what's going on with that team. And, and, and similarly with Aston, I just, you know, Vettel, you know, at Q3, he seemed shocked. That, that he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get in. I was like, I don't know, I don't know why he seems. Like so Q1, sorry, P, I don't, Q1, huh? not, yeah. Q1, sorry, Q3, Q1, Q1. He, he was like, no, really, and I was like, yes, yeah. really. You know, <laughs> I, I don't see where, where, what's, what's the surprise here? So I don't know. They really need to ask themselves some tough questions. Aston, it's just not happening. Remember, Stroll didn't even. Uh, Stroll was actually qual uh, qualified. Two DNFs. Yeah, behind him, and both both cars never finished mm, the race. Yeah. You know, they kind of ro rolled Stroll in. Yeah. That's obviously with the, I think that I don't know if it was engine issue or transmission or whatever it was. Um, Park the side of the car on the side of the road. So very upsetting for Aston Martin. Alonso sweating, bro. He's sweating right now. But at least he's got that yeah. money. He's be sweating on those on those yachts. He's got yeah. the money, man. He, you know, I think he said, you know, people backed him. People backed him for more years in the sport, and that's what I think. That's all that matters yeah. for him. I think he honestly he would have gone to Williams yeah, yeah, if they yeah, said sure. we can even give you two or three years. I don't but, think he cares. I think the man's in it for the money. He's coming in. He knows he eats up all the budget, so he's yeah, like, let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for the yeah. main section? Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Let's get let's into rise the donkey of the weekend. Um, it's the section where we talk about the people or teams or whatever it is we saw that was just not on points, you know. Uh, so this weekend, who's y'all's donkeys, man? Who who messed up? Who, you know, really messed up to, uh, this past weekend? And you're like, nah, they deserve to be on the, the plaque that is the donkey of the weekend. <laughs> you know, I really struggled with this, this donkey one because... I don't think when I, when I looked back at the weekend, I was trying I was trying to find I was looking at driver ratings and I was looking at everyone, and, and I couldn't really you know normally it, it sticks out you know it, it's very clear, you know who who just was was a shocker, but then I looked again and I said no I got my man go TV oh, man. <laughs> looking at me <laughs> and 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 it and it and it, and it, and it was off the you know we had this lovely discussion and we'll talk about it a bit more but. He, 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 I listened to his interview afterwards, and I was like, "This is a this is a defeated man." He, he said, "You know, I, this car is really, 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 really fast on the straights, but slow everywhere else." And I'm thinking to myself, "This driver is really slow all around." You know, like you've got other people coming into this car and absolutely driving the socks. You've got your partner who is driving almost, you know, half the grid up from where you are. You know, not consistently, but at least more than you. And you have the test to say this car is only fast on straights. He's not even fast on the straights. So I, I just don't understand what it, I mean. Yeah, man, I, I could go on with this guy. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there. But that's don donkeys. Donkeys again. Yeah, donkeys again. So um, Latifi, I'm gonna double tap on that one. Uh, just because we now <laughs> see what what can be done in this car, and it's not just Albon who's doing it. It was also the freeze. Um, and secondly, um, the Aston Martin team. Um, what a what a terrible weekend! Um, uh, you guys mentioned that Vettel was shocked when he was out of Q3, but also this is a guy that has won Monza many times. He raced for Ferrari. The fans absolutely love him. Um, it was a dismal performance, um, and like not all of that is his fault, right? Um, so that that was very very sad. But for both cars not to finish, and and this is like by all accounts like a fairly wealthy. I mean, there's there's spending caps at the moment, but Aston Martin is a it's a really prestigious brand, um, and like they, they aren't coming to, they, they aren't stepping up to the plate in F1. Uh, those are my donkeys for the weekend. Yeah, Martin? I second all y'all's. Um, it's one of the notable recurring <laughs> themes uh, over the past few weeks uh, for me. Sunoda obviously started the back of the grid. This is his tenth race, not scoring any points, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, your teammates out. Always keeping us. Yeah, honest. I gotta keep you guys honest. Um, who else was out here? Uh, Valtteri Bottas. I know I keep go going on these guys because we never talk about them. This is Valtteri Bottas, seventh race, not scoring any points. Uh, man has fallen from glory. But really, my main donkey has to be from the one in general. Uh, we talked about this at the start of the segment, and here we are again after Abu Dhabi. The same issues, same officiating uh, nonsense um, that needs to be cleared up. And uh, obviously, it's a point back to Abu Dhabi more so. Obviously, they did a bit, bit of a better job this time. But uh, we need these kind of things codified and articulated to the fans more so, so that uh, we know what to expect. We see uh, races end, you know, issue towards the end of the race, and fair enough, we know what, what's going to happen. So, Formula One, you guys get the donkey, the, the entire establishment. <laughs> All the whole of thing, bro, that's wild. So wild. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. So let, let's let's get on to the to the other side of it. I'm sure you guys are ready for for, for the goat. Uh, I have a feeling it's gonna be it's gonna be a famous goat on this one. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's start with you, Martin. Maybe you can 
tell us who you think was was your goat for this weekend. Yeah, or, or what I think every driver, you know, other than the ones I put in the donkey list, did what I expected them to do given the circumstances. <laughs> the, not, the driver I think most of us will share with this one it has to be Nick. First race, I, we can go on just how <clears> difficult this uh, this what he accomplished was. Um, first race, did what he had to do, not just in the race in qualifying as well. Benefited from all the issues other guys were having and maintained a cool head despite being a somewhat inferior car and able to kind of keep that position. Amazing from your first race. I think he joined 67 drivers who scored points on the debut, something that he can hold with him for the rest of his life because I know a lot of F1 drivers have not done that. So, yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll second that one as well. He, he was one that I wrote down for, for my uh, goats of the weekend, um, Nick DeFries. Um, yeah, you said everything on on that one specifically. Um, and then a, a secondary goat that I have um, is, or, or sorry, two more, is like one, Carlos Sainz, then uh, another, Pierre Gasly. Um, it was good to see Pierre Gasly back in the points okay. as well. Carlos, um, Carlos is growing he, on you, bro. He, he, was, he, he really <laughs> is. Good to see. He really is. Good to see. Um, I, really, I really enjoyed his, his Grand Prix this weekend. Um he adds a lot of excitement. He just has a lot of flair and flavor in how he does it. So it was yeah. good to see. Yeah, uh, you, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, first, yeah, great. I mean, I'm loving the science thing, firstly, because, yeah, I'm with you, Martin. It's, I caught on to it a bit late, uh, earlier in the season, and I think Grant's now catching on as well. He's great. Um, I think, yeah, Nick, Nick the Freeze, we're going to sound like an echo, but Nick, Nick, I mean, Nick the Freeze, just for me, when I, when I listened to him, to his interview, there was a couple of moments. He, there was a, the... The, the the radio he did at the end of the race where not after the end of the race when he was parked and and he couldn't actually get out of the car because that's how much it took out of his body he he said you know on the on the out and on, at the end he was like my shoulders are really sore and when when he was parked he said guys can someone come and help me get out of this car he, he literally could not pick himself up out of the car because it's so tough on the body so that shows you like this is a guy who's he's just sort of got into this car and had to do this thing and that's what he did without even being in a very good position to or without being so prepared. And I think listening to his interview before, before uh, you know, talking about the race, I think he was he was sitting at home, you know, having breakfast or whatever. He's preparing for, because he does stuff on TV. So he's preparing for his TV gig. All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're telling you, you need to go and drive an F1 car all weekend long. And, he, and, he, and, and I mean, yeah, he's done Formula E, but I mean, this is a very different thing. He's done a few practice sessions, but it's incredible. I think we can't, we can't overstate what he was able to do on such short notice. I mean, geez, absolutely, absolutely incredible from him. And, to, and, and it's not an achievement, but just doubling down on my donkey, outperformed like Kotifi on his first weekend and dominated him. Not just like completely dominated him. It's, yeah. I, I saw this thing yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, that guy was fantastic. I saw this thing on Twitter that Latifi is now position 21 in a 20 driver. <laughs> 20 drivers uh, race season. <laughs> the reason I'm taking this one, so yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, let's wrap oh, this man. up. Let's this, talk so, about the look ahead to Singapore. It's a race we've not had in a while. Um, obviously, COVID took it out in 2020. weren't able to get it back last year as well. It's one of those street circuits that is always compared with Monaco. It's a bit more flowier than Monaco. Very tight still. We've seen some great races in history. I remember 2017 when um, I think Max Verstappen and two Ferraris crashed and Hamilton was able to find his way through the race he was not supposed to win during the title championship run against Vettel. Vettel crashes out against his teammate Raikkonen. And uh, really from that point on, Hamilton goes ahead and wins the rest of the few races. That really gave them the morale boost for, for a track they were not supposed to do well at. It's a five-kilometer track, hot track, very humid in uh, Singapore. I'm sure you're not too far away from there, Grant, so you're, you probably know how humid it is in, the, in that area. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, – this is a race for Mercedes. I've said this a couple times this podcast. Do we think they have the chance to do it here? And uh, we want to hear some of y'all's predictions for this race. Uh, I guess you get, you guys might know who I'm going to pick, but uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. I think, I think you really raised some good points on, the, on, 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 on how it would suit Mercedes. Um, I still have my doubts. I, I, I'm not sure that they will be able to. I think they will definitely podium. I'm, I'm almost certain about that. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong, but I'm not sure that this will be a win for them. I'd, I, 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 it's probably going to be Max, but I'd love to see... Ferrari winner. I'd like to see. I'd, li I'd like to see Sainz win again. I think it's so fun when he wins a race. I think there's yeah. just, there's something nice about about him winning a race. There's just a joy about it. It's it's beautiful to see. I, I'd like to see it come together for Ferrari nicely. Um, hopefully they can they can you know take some of the learnings they've had from this last race, 
be consistent in their strategy, have a clear idea, and, and hopefully things, things, things work out for them. But sheesh, it's hard to look past Max, but let's hope, let's hope something happens. Yeah, so Street circuit, always it, in, in heart, Martin, I'm with you. But uh, uh, given the, the recent performances of my fantasy picks um, in, in betting with my heart, <laughs> I'm going to go with my head on this one. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc pole. Um, and, um, Max conversion. I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, yeah, there was actually this meme going around this week. It said, name a more iconic duo. And it that. was Charles Paul, Max winner. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, That's uh, so good. Yeah. I, I'm going to... I, I'm going to go against the grain on the victory. So I think Max will finish second. Uh, but I don't think he's going to win this race because I think it'll be two more races until he wins the, chi- the title. So um, I'm going to go Charlotte Leclerc victory as well. So Charlotte Leclerc, Paul, Charlotte Leclerc victory. Um, uh, Mercedes to be, uh, Lewis specifically to be in the top three uh, and Max to finish second. All right. For me, um, this is a good chance of safety car. We've seen quite a few safety cars over the past few years. It's not a track that ever rains. Mm -hmm. Um, So as, and there are going to be a few pit stops, which to me tells me Ferrari strategy is always, you know, that red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, but my heart says Carlos Sainz. My brain always says Max. It's a, it's a constant. So uh, that's that's the, <laughs> that's what I'm going with. I think Red Bull have a good pa- uh, low downforce package. Adrian Newey is with them, the king of low downforce packages. So Max, I think, is going to win this one. Hopefully Sainz is second. Yeah, Hamilton third or something, just for the fans. Yeah. And I think it's always interesting now with the, with all the grid penalties. I mean, we, we're going to probably see it pretty much now going forward. Um, Not on this track, though. Yeah. Depending on, you know, Sorry, the grid panels for, for this no, track. They really do shake things up, but not 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 on these. Grid we only see these uh, grid penalties on these very low downforce circuits. That's easy to overtake. We're not going to see it on a street circuit, man. That's like it's almost suicide, bro. It, it plants you in that position because it's going to be really hard for you to overtake. Given, how... <laughs> yeah, you're stuck, stuck there, man. Uh, so, <laughs> no, nah, I don't think we'll see any. I think we'll see very conventional Fair enough, I guess that's qualifying. The and guys, do you, I miss sprint qualifying, man. Okay. I'm really bored of this regular format. I really want a little bit of a sprint yeah, qualifying. Yeah, we, we talked, we had such a lovely segment on that and we yeah, said we want more of it. But it's been so it's long. Been quite, when is it, is, are they done? Yeah, but I know Grant has a little Suzuka's the next one. Ah, okay. No, Suzuka's the next one. I'm excited for it, man. I'm, I'm keen for a Saturday race. Same. Um, but uh, l- let's wrap it there. Uh, guys, good to, good to connect and, and chat about this. Um, and uh, and also switch the the version uh, the version to to virtual. Enjoy the race this weekend. And um, I think in wrapping it up, this is this is super exciting, right? Uh, even connecting virtually to to share this love and passion for um, a sport that that we're quite fanatical about. So uh, join us on the journey, and uh, we, we'll keep uh, we'll keep chatting about F1. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. The race in Cheers. two weeks.